You've all heard the saying, there is no I in team. Well, that's partly correct. But we each bring a unique perspective and experience when working as a team. So it can be viewed as a collective group of eyes that work together to build a team of success. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks. How to get it just right. With host Dr. Cass Henry. In today's program, we'll uncover the tools of team success in order to achieve winning results. Now, here is Dr. Cass Henry. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. I'm Dr. Cass Henry, and I'm thrilled to share another hour with you. We all grew up learning that health is wealth. A healthy body and a healthy mind together provides any person the much-needed agility to stay relevant in a dynamic global economy and diligently pursue their own empowerment journey, be it economic or otherwise. John Rohn was not merely joking when he reminded all of us, take care of your body. It is the only place you have to live. No amount of plastic surgery is going to change the fact that our internal organs and the internal body that we have is what we are going to have to live with and our lifestyle is going to directly and indirectly shape that. Health is, after all, a byproduct of our lifestyle and we become what we eat and how we live our life every day. Healthcare is governed by public policy in a modern democracy and healthcare is continually disrupted by technology in the way treatment and health services delivery come into play. What this tells us is that we have a duty to understand how to take care of our own health and that decision is not limited to lifestyle choices as consumers. It includes our decision as citizens and how we vote to shape the public policy. It includes our ability to learn and understand technology and adapt to how it is disrupting our healthcare services and how healthcare providers are going to market. It includes our responsible actions as both investors of our time and money in goods and services so that we're making prudent choices that are working for us. It also includes our engagement as employees to build the right organizational culture with the proper work-life harmony to lay the foundation for a healthy lifestyle, keeping both physical and mental health in perspective. Living like we live to work and spending all the hours at work and sabotaging our health physically and emotionally is not healthy in the long run. And, you know, there are lots of conversations that take place about how we spend our entire life trying to make a living at the cost of our health. And then we spend all our money taking care of our health once our careers are over. And is that really the right mix? Is there another way to go about it? These are all questions we have. And to help me engage in this valuable and material conversation that is at the top of mind for everybody, everywhere, in this episode, Healthcare Disruption, is Pallav Sharda. Pallav is a trained medical doctor who pursued medical technology education and worked in the medical technology space. He brings a perspective of patient care, technology, public policy, and the stakeholder viewpoints. Pallav, welcome to the show. Thank you, Cass. Happy to be here. 
honored to have you. And I really am looking forward to picking your brains and getting you engaged in a conversation where you are going to help me educate our audience. So why don't you take a moment and give us the backstory of how did you get involved in healthcare and what brought you to this place of healthcare technology and interest in the disruption of healthcare and using that in a positive way to bring about good change? Absolutely. Well, first off, uh, let me start by saying thank you for inviting me. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, I started life as uh, as a young uh, student in medical school who was interested in technology, was programming um, on the side. And around the turn of the century, 1999, when the dot-com bubble was happening, mm-hmm. uh, I had this realization that uh, I wanted to do more than conventional medical careers. And mm-hmm. uh, it started with a with the thought of taking a sabbatical from the anesthesia residency uh, in which I was enrolled at that time and Mm -hmm. doing something uh, different that had to uh, relate with computers. And a few years later, I found myself uh, in in a field called medical informatics, which is uh, a hybrid of computer science and healthcare systems development. Mm -hmm. And uh, after that, a career started with uh, working with companies like GE, Kaiser Permanente, basically Uh applying technology solutions for patients, providers, and uh, payers. Uh And that's how I find myself here. Uh, I had the good fortune of uh, having the time to write a book a couple years ago about all the experiences I had had and all the technology that I had started seeing uh, penetrating the healthcare workflows. Mm-hmm. So, so why don't you share the name of the book with our audience? Maybe they may want to go and read up on it too. Sure. Because it has uh, a lot of good information. The book is called uh, Disrupting Healthcare, and you can find it um, on Amazon, iBooks, uh, even on Audible audio version. But the, as the name suggests, I think there there's a lot that uh, we living in the technological age to disrupt automobiles, it's about to disrupt mm-hmm. banking, education, everywhere. And as people start applying it to healthcare, and this is uh, from my own experiences talking to entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley where, where I live, um, mm-hmm. I always came up with this realization that uh, well-intentioned, uh, highly capable entrepreneurs just get into the field of healthcare without realizing what already exists and what are some of the nuances of uh, of dealing with uh, with healthcare professionals and patients, and uh, I wanted to create a, a sort of a landing spot for for people who are trying to get to know healthcare and apply mm-hmm. technology to it. Okay. So, what did you learn through that process? Because your book talks about the stakeholders and the various elements that one needs to keep in mind when they enter that space. Uh, to mm-hmm. improve services or technology through the disruption process. What did you learn about yourself as well as the industry in that process of writing the book? Yeah, actually, I, I'll expand it to not just writing the book, but uh, going through the healthcare technology industry. I It completely changed my perspective uh, of about healthcare and um, technology, too. So, so let me let me tackle that from three angles. Uh, you know, okay. everybody, yeah, each of us is, God forbid, is will need to be a, a patient at some point. Uh, 
So yes. as a patient myself, uh, I do have a family history of diabetes, and uh, I was diagnosed as a pre-diabetic a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And I've been controlling my condition with uh, with diet and lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a post-clinical uh, era in my career and and having technology all around me. I think okay. this is, uh, technology changes patients uh, in a very profound way these days. Uh, they're more informed. Yes. Patients okay. have the ability to be much more empowered uh, mm-hmm. than, than before. Uh, and you have the proactive that, ability to monitor ahead of time and be preventative and predictive, right? Absolutely, which is which is why I, you know I use the word informed. Is if you choose mm-hmm. to be, you can be informed about the present and the future as mm-hmm. a patient. And really, you have all the information in your hand to to be empowered to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. So, as a patient, that that changed my perspective. And as a as a caregiver, you know, whether it was as a professional uh, in in the field as a physician, or uh, we all have uh, parents that we we take care of. Yes. As a caregiver, uh-huh. I, I've learned that, uh, you know, the, the people have of technology as an auditor or technology as a hindrance, it, uh-huh. it's, it's really more of an ally if, if you just have the right perspective. So having a weighing scale in the bathroom is, is something that people are used to, but if you have a watch strapped to your wrist, it's not necessarily uh, something that uh, that your physician is going to um, it, it's a data point for your for your clinical team that mm-hmm. is actually very valuable. So, as a caregiver, I've 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 had a wider sort of acceptance of technology and data points that are emerging. Okay. Um, and and the third perspective, so so patient caregiver, and the third perspective is as a technologist actually. So mm-hmm. since I've flipped my career and become a technologist more, yes, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I have a higher appreciation of um, medicine and health as an art rather than a science. So uh, we can all sort of look at the biomarkers and do blood tests to figure out how healthy you are. But uh, some of the social determinants of health, um, you know, mental state, uh, where you live, the community, the people Mm -hmm. that you engage with, uh, they play a a big part in in keeping people healthy. So it's not just about technology and hardware and software, too. It's, uh, there is a subtle uh, art to being healthy, and uh, yes. I think mm-hmm. it balances the perspective. So, yeah, going back to your question, definitely having seen both sides of it, it has changed maybe in all three capacities. Okay, and it's interesting you say that as a technologist, you have come to the realization this is more of an art because ultimately if you eat all the right food, if you do all the right exercises and have the best lifestyle one can ever accomplish. If you're an unhappy person and you're not happy, you're secreting all those negative chemistry and that can cause toxicity, right? There's nothing better as an antidote for depression and negative body chemistry than being happy, right? Absolutely. So a person's and, attitude and comes into play too. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think that's why I feel like, uh, you know, just looking at the nutrition labels uh, of the food that you're eating is, is not enough to make informed choices and, and to remain healthy. You really need to understand the context why people eat and, mm-hmm. and with whom they eat. 
what are their conditions? Because you may have uh, a food source, uh, like a fast food restaurant nearby, but not a healthy, uh, you know, farmer's market. And that would mm-hmm. fundamentally still make people unhealthy. So um, I think as technologists need to know that health is not about numbers and data. And, mm-hmm. and on the reverse, you know, people who are in the field uh, need to know that technology uh, can really help. And that's that's an interesting connection you're making because ultimately we are what we eat, right? So it's not mm-hmm. about eating all three meals or eating the right portion. It's also understanding the source of our food and how healthy is that source and then managing our own body chemistry with our attitude. So I know we're going to have to go to break in a minute here, but what I want us to think about as a pickup conversation when we get back from break is how do we as consumers – figure out what are the healthy sources of food because labels alone are not going to tell us anything. What's the difference between farm-raised salmon and wild salmon? And should I base it on price or should I just base it on doing my research and finding out which is more healthier for me? Can't everybody have a way to make those discernments? And some of those become what dictate our choices, right? Sometimes people say there's so much for me to know before I make a choice. I'm overwhelmed. And so when we come back from break, I would really like to hear your thoughts on how you have personally, you're a a young dad, you have a young family, how do you make your choices with all the information that you have? And then how can other people take a page from that and apply to their own life? Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are looking for an outstanding keynote speaker, look no further than Dr. Cass Henry. Cass is available to speak to your company. She also offers organizational leadership development seminars and workshops. These seminars can integrate learning and development, customer service, processes, and financial growth. Positive, motivated employees care about their customers and work products. Visit CassHenry.com or follow Dr. Cass Henry on Facebook. That's K-A-S-Henry.com for more information. Organizational training does not have to be a difficult job. Visit Dr. Cass Henry's site to find out more about her organizational training curriculum development and global organizational training webinars. These informative webinars cover leadership development, career path and succession planning, financial performance improvement and change management, and corporate finance. For more information, please visit CassHenry.com and follow Cass Henry on Facebook. That's K-A-S-Henry.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. To reach Dr. Cass Henry or her guest today, please call 
1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drcasshenry at hotmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. You're joining us in the episode, Healthcare Disruption. Paula, welcome back to the show. Uh, the question I had when we went for break is, how do you make the determination of the food and choices that affect your health care? And what lesson can people take from your own choices to shape their own choices? Sure. Uh, let me let me divide it in, in my answer in two. So I think okay. one is uh, I have some personal heuristics and sort of rules of thumb that I follow, and then I, I've I've come up with some tools that I I would try to recommend to others. So in terms mm-hmm. of heuristics, I I think it's it's almost what what our grandparents told us. Um, anything that that is packaged so that it lasts for 30 days or more, it's inherently probably not a healthy choice. Yes, uh, it may I not even we, be real food. Yeah, yeah, because I, I think uh, on a natural tendency, if there's food outside uh, left left in nature, I don't think it's going to last 30 days mm-hmm. unless it's a coconut or, or something, which is naturally has the shelf life like that. But I feel like um, – we we live in an age where where the science behind food, uh, you know, breaking uh, a normal uh, food item down into various components um, is is has been taken a little too far. Mm-hmm. And when you find yourself making a, a choice in the in the grocery store based on oh this one has you know twenty percent calcium compared to that, I think that inherently is a is a one way street where. Uh, the decision has a high likelihood of being overall um, not that advantageous um, mm-hmm. compared to something which uh, is simpler, like, okay, this is local, it's fresh, I can see that it was just delivered, it looks great, um, and I know that if I don't eat in two days, it's going to go bad. So some of the simpler rules about eating local, eating fresh, and just um, if you open up a package that says, you know, good till two months from now, uh, there's something added to it that uh, it goes against the natural tendency of the material that you're eating. So, so, mm-hmm. so rules like that. So that's first. And, and the second is I do uh, believe that some of the technology tools that we have these days, you know, simple stuff like um, uh, having a, a wristband that tells you you've you've walked ten thousand steps. You know that's like the simplest that that I, almost everybody is uh, has the capacity to do. But mm-hmm. uh, there are great uh, mobile apps where you can actually write something down and then see an overall trend. I I bet if uh, if you tried uh, noting down what all you ate. Uh, in the, in the last month or so, there would be a few surprises in in there. And personally, I did that for a month and and found out that I ate more carbohydrates and and fried food than I thought I did. So <laughs> there's always this introspection that is made easier with technology. Um, mm-hmm. I do believe that on the spot moments are also enhanced with uh, with the tools that we have in our pockets. So okay. just the other day, my daughter and I, uh, my daughter's nine years old, and we were perusing the aisle uh, of cereals, uh, I think it was in one of the stores, and mm-hmm. uh, we saw something that we had liked in the past, and but we didn't get it because it 
it was deemed unhealthy, but the packaging was new. Things looked like, okay, it was the light version and, you know, something, something. So I took out my phone. There's an app called uh, Fooducate, like Food Educate. Uh, and okay. what it does is you can just scan the barcode label. You don't. Okay. And it reads the barcode label. Yeah, it just gives a simple grade, like A grade, B grade, C, F. And, and even with the new packaging, it got a D minus. So uh, in that moment of sort of weakness, we had a tool that helped us decide, no, it's still bad. And we moved on. Um, <laughs> it's hard when your if, child if, wants it, though, right? It's harder for a parent when your child wants it. Yeah, no, but I think uh, it's, a, it's a great tool for her to understand is that, yes. you know, making decisions just because it was 5 p.m. and we were hungry and, and there was a delicious sort of marketing uh, done in front of us. It didn't mean that, yes. um, it, it, you know, that was the right decision. So mm-hmm. I feel like, again, using technology as your tool uh, is is a great uh, boon of living in this uh, time and age, and we should uh, we should leverage it more. Yes, I I would like for you to repeat that app one more time, just so that our listeners can go and check it out. Sure. Uh, so so just combine the words food and educate. So uh, take the D out, and I think it's called Fooducate. And if okay. you if you type in um, F O O D U C A T E. Yes, F O O D U C A T E. You you would find it at least on the on the iOS app store. I do like their newsletter too. They, they you know they give you interesting. Uh, and by the way, I'm not associated with this company. I don't have any uh, interest in it. But uh, it has been a good tool over uh, the last few years, where uh, mm-hmm. these sort of on the spot decisions have been made simpler. And I actually like the fact that we are raising children in a highly technological era. Children are highly intuitive in using technology. And instead of parents telling the children, because I told you so, we are not going to get this, actually using the app and showing them with technology, there is proof that this is not healthy, actually validates the parent's point of view with science on the spot, right? I I love the fact that it combines the parental decision-making with the apps and the technology the children are naturally in tune with. Yes, the habits, you know, that's what you inculcate. Mm -hmm. Um, That stays forever. So with that Excellent advice. I have never come across that app, so I know personally I am going to download it, but I am natured to only shop around the periphery of any grocery store. My rule is in the periphery of any grocery store is what nature made. In all the aisles is what man made. And so I stick Mm -hmm. with what God made. And if I can't look at something and say from which tree or which animal and which body part of an animal, I don't eat it. Right? If it doesn't See, look that's like a great it's a rule. That's a great rule to mm-hmm. have. Fantastic. I like that. So as we go one level deeper and start looking at healthcare from a public policy perspective, we live in mm-hmm. an era where our politicians are making public policy choices for us. And in a democracy we do get to vote. But how many citizens understand that they are voting for all their public policy decisions versus they are voting emotionally for a social agenda because they don't they subscribe to one point of view or another about social life and how do we get into some of the messes we get into in terms of healthcare and invariably a lot of people are losing healthcare 
So how can people go about better understanding and learning about getting engaged in a civic way in shaping public policy? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, oh, wow, that's a that's a very big question. I, I don't know if I have the the magic. Mm-hmm. There is no magic bullet, right? But what can people do? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, I think. Yes, absolutely. But uh, I, what I can do is probably uh, clarify how health and policy are intertwined, and uh-huh. hopefully that that surfaces uh, the realization that uh, you, you know every vote that we make for a non-health reason actually. Uh, goes to affect healthcare choices and ultimately our and our community's health. So, mm-hmm. uh, if you if you look across the world, uh, you know there's basically three ways that any healthcare system works. One is you nationalize everything. So the government runs an insurance program and the citizens pay for it through taxes. And uh, mm-hmm. the, the, there are public uh, providers that you go get care from. So we see this in Canada, UK, Taiwan. There's just one big central sort of healthcare delivery structure that's run uh, through taxpayer money. Mm-hmm. So it's a now, single second, payer government. Right. The second is the polar opposite, which is out of pocket, where basically if you have money, you can go pay a doctor and, and they'll see you. So you see this in like rural India, China, South America, Cambodia. Well, People generally don't get preventative care in such settings. They instead just have a transaction, like they would buy something else. Uh, mm-hmm. They would go to an emergency room and basically just buy healthcare service that they think they need. Yes. So um, on an as-needed basis, is, when the need arises, right? In that case. Yes, exactly. Okay. Which is mm-hmm. which is where you know poor people suffer, and um, those those ca- the ca- those with the cash um, have the ability to stay healthy, which is which is mm-hmm. really unfair. Yes. And the mm-hmm. third is is basically insurance-centric, where there are multiple insurance companies um, which are financed either through employers or payroll deduction um, in some way. And uh, and this is what most of the United States looks like to people like us uh, who are employed mm-hmm. and, uh, and working. Um, uh, it also exists in, like, Germany, France, Japan. But um, in, in other countries, there's an exception, the you know, the entire population is covered through insurance. And yes. um, mm-hmm. insurance plans don't generally uh, make profit. They're not allowed to. So the U.S. Uh, is is a, is really a mixture of all three. Uh, we may not realize it. Um, but Americans mm-hmm. over 65, our seniors, they're basically on the nationalized version. They, they yes. have something mm-hmm. called Medicare, and, and, you know, they mm-hmm. have a central program, like VA system for our mm-hmm. veterans. Um, for... Um, the working Americans like us, uh, they have an employed sponsor insurance. So it's like the, the third uh, insurance-centric model that I talked mm-hmm. about. And even though we had uh, the passage of Affordable Care Act, there's still 10 to 20 million Americans who are uninsured and are really just paying out of pocket or showing up in the ER somewhere mm-hmm. uh, when they're sick. So we live in this sort of uh, potpourri of, of all three systems and Perhaps that's why it's brittle and expensive, and that's why when when we vote for our candidate who has a certain policy position, say on anything, and, right? Gay or, rights, civil responsibilities, yeah, anything. anything, right? Immigration, what you're doing whatever. Is you're basi- yeah, you're basically shaping the market so that uh, one of these three approaches gets dominated because of your your vote. So, I think. Um, 
that that's my connection to to healthcare okay. and policy. Okay. So coming from the insurance world, having worked in insurance brokerage firms for most part of my career in the finance world, um, in the, we tell businesses, give us all your risk. We'll work with you to assess all your risk. And then we collect multiple entity risks and place it as a single coverage to get better deals. For example, we would do Holland liability insurance for not just aviation clients, but for any corporation that owns airplanes, right? Same way Mm -hmm. everybody's property and casualty, whether you're the Vatican or whether you're a Halliburton or a GE, we are able to get bulk deals combining multiple business entities risk and getting a placement for a better rate in bulk. Somehow when we go to a consumer world, we've convinced people that getting everybody covered may not be profitable for you. And we've created this false impression of how the insurance world works because most consumers don't understand the risk mitigation aspect and the insurance pricing. And I think that's part of our struggle when people go to vote because they're not understanding any of this and they're voting based on their own uh, personal beliefs on some of the social issues as opposed to public policy. When we come back from break, I want to pick this conversation up and then take this to um, the next level of how technology plays a role in not just uh, health delivery, but also the cost of health delivery. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are looking for an outstanding keynote speaker, look no further than Dr. Cass Henry. Cass is available to speak to your company. She also offers organizational leadership development seminars and workshops. These seminars can integrate learning and development, customer service, processes, and financial growth. Positive, motivated employees care about their customers and work products. Visit CassHenry.com or follow Dr. Cass Henry on Facebook. That's CassHenry.com for more information. Organizational training does not have to be a difficult job. Visit Dr. Cass Henry's site to find out more about her organizational training curriculum development and global organizational training webinars. These informative webinars cover leadership development, career path and succession planning, financial performance improvement and change management, and corporate finance. For more information, please visit CassHenry.com and follow Cass Henry on Facebook. That's CassHenry.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to unleash your inner goldilocks how to get it just right to reach dr cass henry or her guest today please call 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 
You may also send an email to drcasshenry at hotmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Unleash in a Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. You're joining us in the episode, Healthcare Disruption. And with me on this episode is Pallav Pallav. As we went for break, we were going to talk about healthcare technology and how the cost of healthcare uh, can be addressed with the use of technology and how technology can help us make better public policy choices. Mm-hmm. So just go ahead and share your thoughts with us. What do you, wh- how do you feel that we can use technology to make it advantageous for us in bringing our costs down? Because obviously we are living in a, in a country where the healthcare costs are the most expensive, but the return on that investment is not that great. Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, there's many ways to answer that, but I, I'll, I'll go back to fundamentals. I think in any market when there is, uh, you know, information inequality, you fundamentally see costs go up and um, one party suffering. And mm-hmm. uh, I feel like the fundamental way to change healthcare is to bring about transparency in, in what it means. So the moment you, you decide to get a procedure done, um, which hospital charges how much and, and complete sort of no hidden fees type of uh, arrangement of seeing what it what it costs, what drugs you'd be on, what would they cost, what what is a lifetime of taking a particular medication look like for you. Um, those uh, those are the information data points that would fundamentally create an equal market where consumers can then shop for what works for them, and mm-hmm. as a result, uh, we'll have providers and vendors who deliver what particular segment of, of consumers want. Because, in the, you know, I don't want to say it should be affordable for everybody or, it, you know, we should have something that consistently um, is, is one price. Disparity uh, in, in what people can, can afford. If mm-hmm. you look at automobiles, there's a, there's a great example. Everything takes you from point A to point B, but some people um, are okay buying... Uh, a, a normal family sedan, or and some people want a two-seater that's really fancy. So, letting the market kind of service the customer segments that that exist uh, is only possible when there is, uh, like in case of automobiles, there's a highway safety administration that gives all cars a five-star crash test rating, and then, you know, with JD Powers, kind of makes it. Uh, makes it transparent in the market that even though you buy this car, you're still just as safe as somebody some is being in another car. So, mm-hmm. um, for me, as we move into a more digital age where everything is producing a digital footprint, you know, uh, right from the playlist that you have on Spotify to the zip code that you live in, what weather patterns it has. Um, how how does your mu- music listening and the sunlight pattern affect your mental health uh, could be something that a futuristic startup may actually uh, analyze and and give you uh, recommendations based on. But that essentially means that you'll have to open up your health information, and which means you need to get that health information from the providers that you usually go to. So yes. creating mm-hmm. a transparent market where where the information is is uh, is available. Obviously, I don't want to, um, you know, um, I don't want to underemphasize the the need for privacy and security. That's always yes. there. Yes. Uh-huh. 
But and that, that's the risk, right? Field. With technology yeah. comes vulnerability. So if we're going to use it to its fullest advantage, then we also have to make ourselves that extremely vulnerable. Absolutely. But I think that we've already fought that battle and, and won it as a, as a, as a species and, and as, as a community. I think if you look at, at how we handle money, um, it is pretty clear that uh, we can all have our own personal um, bank accounts with, with the money that we owe, um, that we own, but there can be a credit agency that can get used for another uh, card service. There can be a mint.com. Mm-hmm. There can be a house loan. And there's, there's complete transparency to the parties that you want to make it transparent to. Mm-hmm. And, um, and a great market exists where you can invest in stocks, get transparency from there. So I feel like finance has kind of achieved it for a thing that we, for, for an item of value, which is money. We can yes. achieve the same sort of uh, market dynamics um, in, in an it- another item of value, which is health, uh, if we have transparency in the, in the information related to it. Mm-hmm. So, but that also comes with the necessary regulation applied the right way, right? When I'm in the classroom teaching, always regulation comes up. And I always have this conversation about building on the concept of the car analogy you had. None of us will buy a car without a braking system. To me, regulation is Absolutely. just that, right? When do you apply Absolutely. the brake to prevent loss of life and uh, property? And then when do you take your foot off the regulation or the brake so that you can grow and propel forward and have the directional movement you want? But in a society where regulation is looked at as either good or bad, that adjustment needed to play in that spectrum of when to apply and when not to apply and to what degree to apply becomes a more challenging conversation. Oh, absolutely. And I would actually again, generalize and say it, it, it was probably a challenging conversation in finance. It, was, it, it has always been an effort of constant calibration from engaged audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no quick answer that we can get to that will work for everybody. So yes. the, the real need is to have conversations like these and, and emphasize that we are moving uh, in, a, in a direction that, that we want or don't want uh, and just constantly uh, tweak it to, yes. to get to the mm-hmm. optimal state. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do think there's there's calibration needed from both sides. So if, if there are things that need to be regulated, for example, privacy, uh, a fundamental mm-hmm. right to privacy should be preserved in, in a transparent health information environment. Uh, but also, on the other hand, if you, uh, if you over-regulate, then... Um, we may not have a community level picture where we can see well how many cholera cases were uh, you know broke out in a given region because everybody chose to just put a hyper security lock on their information so uh, there is there, there's a balance that needs to be maintained um, yes. like going back to the car analogy if there's a crash it has to be reported so that we know mm-hmm. um, as a, as a public health or as a as a state as a community, what improvements we need to make uh, so that it doesn't happen again. Makes total sense. And then people need to understand you can't drive a car without ever hitting the brake and you can't drive the car constantly with your foot yeah. on the brake, right? Either extreme it, doesn't work. Somewhere in the middle is the balance. Right. 
And I feel like uh, I think at least for the kind of audience that that we are probably uh, projecting to, I think trying to be reasonable with privacy and security uh, expectations around health information mm-hmm. is something because I feel like a lot of well-educated, uh, you know, informed people have the the knee-jerk reaction of like, well, it's my information, and I do not want to share it in any under any circumstances. Mm-hmm. So. I feel like what if uh, well ha- you, you need to be at least having um some exceptions to to the rule where uh even for your own good like what if uh, you're unconscious and and wheeled into an ER and nobody knows who you are because you know you don't show your your health information is not at any level aggregated into a mm-hmm. community um you know vaccination it works because we know that you know 80% of the herd is immunized but if we don't know who's immunized uh, how do we calculate that 80% number? And if it's less, like, how do we drive it? So I feel like there, there is a sense of uh, being a part of a larger picture mm-hmm. um, that people need to be aware of um, when, when thinking about their health information. And that makes total sense. And I'm glad you brought up the notion that we are a part of a larger society. So as a part of our social contract to exist in a civil society, we have to abide by certain norms because it's not just about me, right? And something that might happen to me can be prevented if other people are ready to share it and help it from you know, impacting me or my loved ones. And so that's where the balancing act in terms of knowing to what level to allow that intrusion of privacy and when to say enough comes into play. Mm -hmm. And you can already see that in in state-level immunization databases where Mm -hmm. we know which child has been immunized or not. You can see that in terms of emergency departments reporting which patient has taken an opioid prescription because, as you know, that's, that's, that's a crisis that our nation is going through. And if we don't know who took what prescription from which ER, we're going to have a, a significant percentage of the population being mired by, uh, by opioid abuse. So the first step is to, to mm-hmm. know um, who's afflicted. Yes. And so the other question that comes to my mind, if we don't finish having this conversation before the break, we'll continue after, is for a society collectively to have better health care and health-related choices, certain things become mandatory, right? We are helping the rest of the world get all the immunization so that we can eradicate polio and some of the other diseases that have been around for a very, very long time. At the same time, we're helping third world countries overcome those kind of uh, immunization challenges. We are having a larger and larger population self-selecting out of that kind of immunization and creating environments where because their child is not immunized, they become the reason why certain diseases spread in school systems. How do we deal with that? Any thoughts? Mm -hmm. Oh, um, I I have strong opinions on that. I think um, in the age where you can probably get an answer to every question that you have, and and the answer may be that there is no answer, but at least you can Google it and find it. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it it behooves us to be more responsible for the facts that we believe and the facts we propagate. And I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm sure you're part of some messaging service or email, or you've seen an email that comes by which talks about do X, Y, Z, and then you'll see tremendous improvement in um, in whatever, like take your finance or 
uh, take your health. Uh, the, uh, there are some sort of urban sort of semi-truths that, that get easily propagated because the people who receive it and forward it are, are not taking the time to actually critically analyze it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, uh, I mean, it's, it's a very specific example, but I, I, I do feel like as, as an informed, uh, educated, uh, society, we need to be able to uh, separate fact from fiction. And just because we've seen it on an instant messaging service or the first Google search creates, sends us to a page where where something seems like um, it's true, doesn't mean that uh, it is true. Uh, you, You need to know that you know, the World Economic Forum is, is a great authoritative resource. National Geographic, uh, you know, uh, uh, PubMed, Medline, uh, if, if it has a .gov after it, it probably has much more authority than some other random Internet page. So um, believing in the right information is, is more of a civic responsibility, uh, yes. not just the, the entertainment value of spreading something um, that's uh, – uh, uh, that's exciting around mm-hmm. is, is not really uh, doing mm-hmm. good service to everybody. And on that note, we're going to go for our final break and we'll pick up uh, the next segment, Paula. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are looking for an outstanding keynote speaker, look no further than Dr. Cass Henry. Cass is available to speak to your company. She also offers organizational leadership development seminars and workshops. These seminars can integrate learning and development, customer service, processes, and financial growth. Positive, motivated employees care about their customers and work products. Visit CassHenry.com or follow Dr. Cass Henry on Facebook. That's CassHenry.com for more information. Organizational training does not have to be a difficult job. Visit Dr. Cass Henry's site to find out more about her organizational training curriculum development and global organizational training webinars. These informative webinars cover leadership development, career path and succession planning, financial performance improvement and change management, and corporate finance. For more information, please visit CassHenry.com and follow Cass Henry on Facebook. That's CassHenry.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. To reach Dr. Cass Henry or her guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Dr. Cass Henry 
at Hotmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. You're joining us on the final segment of Healthcare Disruption. Pallav, um, as we get into our final segment, I just want to open this conversation up to a much broader spectrum and see what other thoughts you have. And if nobody, if anybody who's listening to this hasn't heard a word of what you've said before, but are just tuning in, what is the one nugget of advice you would want them to take as they start thinking about healthcare and how it affects them from all stakeholder perspectives? Sure. Uh, I think, and this is something that I, I tell uh, friends and family too. I feel like there's just no excuse to be the patient uh, uh, that that was from 80s or 90s, where basically you you have to believe what uh, what the system tells you, what, what your doctor tells you. There's enough information and tools out there to be mm-hmm. completely informed about your condition treatment options. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, all of a sudden you, you become the doctor or the surgeon and you can do the surgery yourself. But uh, doing having the option between, um, between two, uh, two paths forward, um, mm-hmm. knowing what it means to be on anticoagulants, for example, um, after heart surgery, that's not something that you need to wait for your doctor to, to tell you in the 15 mm-hmm. minutes that you have with them. There's enough out there in terms of patient stories, educational materials. I think there's a fundamental uh, faith-based transaction that, that we inherited uh, in healthcare where you go to this high priest, the oracle, uh, doctor or surgeon, and uh, you listen to what they have to say, and then you let them um, sort of shape your whole because life. they're real uh-huh. professional. But mm-hmm. there's no reason. It's almost like saying, uh, you know, I just got my paycheck, but I'm just going to give it to my financial advisor and let him tell me what, how much I have to buy groceries for. Um, it's not, it doesn't quite work like that. Um, you, you fundamentally need to take ownership of your own finances. And then, yes, you can get help to invest it correctly, uh, grow your nest egg. And that's how you should treat health, too, where if you um, are in a condition where you – are uh, looking at a at a health issue. Uh, just don't st- uh, don't wait for others to tell you what it means. Uh, do your research. Uh, chances are, the more you understand it, the more you can deal with it, uh, both mentally and physically. Uh, there's there's not enough studies in the world uh, that have that you can say with certainty that disease X is uh, is treated by Y or disease X cannot be treated by Y. Uh, I think we're all learning as we go, and uh, with with the immense knowledge base that that's at our fingertips now, um, mm-hmm. it, it is our responsibility to be better educated as we deal with health. So that's one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do feel that uh, keep an eye out for what happens in the next ten years, and I'm not even saying 20 years, because fundamentally, uh, from where I sit, there are immense technological paradigm shifts that are happening, and and this is unrelated to healthcare, uh, both in terms of hardware uh, solution, uh, technology solutions, software. For example, uh, we've not seen 3D printing uh, do much in healthcare. We've not seen drone technology, robotics. Uh, they're fundamentally getting to a stage where they're 
uh, cheaper, faster, more intelligent, and they haven't even started making a dent into healthcare. Um, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. The last few weeks, I, I read about a orthopedic cast company that was 3D printing custom casts. So, you know, gone are the days where, um, you know, your your orthopedic surgeon would wrap a plaster of Paris around your leg and and it became, you know, it was a stiff sort of um, mm-hmm. cast that you moved around with. These are plastic mesh-based casts that are specifically personalized to your shape of, uh, uh, like, body part. And they're easy. They're, you can wash, you know, your leg or hand. I mean, there's fundamentally new paradigms that are being blockchain, AI. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't really even been applied to the right problems uh, in healthcare. So the future is definitely very exciting. Um, even if there was like one or two of them, it would be exciting. I can count off like six or seven that I think are fundamentally game-changing, and they're yes. all happening mm-hmm. now. So yes. uh, it, mm-hmm. it does take a few years to mature, but uh, I would say... Uh, in 2028, uh, we'd fundamentally be, uh, we would have fundamentally forgotten how we did health, uh, related transactions, um, mm-hmm. in, in the past. So, yes, um, and, and that's good advice because normally all of these things first play out in finance, right? Because we're all about pursuit of money and wealth. So we're seeing mm-hmm. the blockchain technology and artificial intelligence and robotics and all of that actually drive financial decision-making. Investment is happening with robotics now. People are not making investment decisions. Robotics and artificial intelligence infused robotics are investing in the market at a much faster pace than human beings can, right? With all of this Absolutely. coming into place, as well as in America now, we've come to a point where the system is not functioning to take care of the citizens' healthcare needs. And the latest announcement is Berkshire Hathaway, J.P. Morgan Chase, and Amazon are coming together to have a dialogue and come up with a brand new innovative way to deliver a healthcare solution to its million-plus employees. And when businesses get engaged in shaping health service delivery because our public policy is not working, that too is going to be a huge game changer. Absolutely. On its own, it would, would have been a great game changer. I mean, um, it, it has the tailwinds of all the technology and all the consumeristic attitude change. So I think there's there's a great sea change that's coming in the next five, ten years. Um, and I think if, if that disturbs you or makes you anxious, I think it's better to go back to basics and and just look at it from a 10,000-foot view. Mm-hmm. And, and I did have, since we talked about the um, eating habits and, and food in general, one of the books that uh, really impressed me um, that I recently read was uh, called In Defense of Food by Michael okay. Pollan. Okay. And it, it was one of the first books about nutrition that, uh, you know, didn't really preach too much about oh, you need to have more micronutrients or decrease the carb or, uh, you know, reduce the fat. It actually talks about food and eating habits at a very high level. So, you know, some mm-hmm. of the things that I said in the first segment about eating local, eating fresh, anything packaged, um, those are uh, those are verbalized pretty pretty well in the book. Uh, that's, and that's beautiful I'd, advice. That's wonderful advice. Yeah, so... so it, overall, I think if if you can't keep up with all the fancy technology, I think at least look out for the basics that will fundamentally mm-hmm. never be 
uh, never be broken. Um, and, and Michael Pollan's book is, is something that I think is very basic about mm-hmm. how to eat right in the changing world. Yeah, and the nature is not going to change as long as we don't totally disrupt nature, right? So with that wonderful nugget of advice, I can't believe we're almost at the end of our show. Paula, thank you so very much for making time and coming on the show to uh, talk to me and give the benefit of your insight and knowledge and experience to the audience. And who knows, if you're open to it, maybe we can pick up this conversation on another day on another episode. Thank you so very much. Oh, I look forward to it. Uh, Thank you for inviting me. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And this has been both a timely and meaningful discussion. I'm sure we all learned something through the course of our dialogue. At a time when our healthcare costs are rising and the corresponding return on investment is declining, there is important work ahead. Our public policy and healthcare service delivery all need work. Coming up with a strategy, policy, and delivery mechanism requires full engagement from all of us as citizens. I'm glad we have kicked off this conversation and will continue to build on this over the future shows. This show is all about our shared journey and staying true to this goal. I will continue to bring content that helps everyone transform our lives in a way that it shapes our community. I ask you to continue to send me your thoughts, suggestions, and feedback to my email at drcasshenry at hotmail.com. And as we bring this close, a show to a close, I want to leave you with a piece of advice from Buddha, as profound as the name may sound. This advice is very, very basic. To keep the body in good health is a duty. Otherwise, we shall not be able to keep our mind strong and clear. It is very profound advice, something for us to keep front and center as we go through our day-to-day lives. And as we continue our journey every day, every week, month after month, remember, every human interaction is an opportunity for our transformation. Just like this conversation is helping us transform the way we think. Let's go out there. Let's transform lives. Let's engage in conversations. And while we do that, don't forget to start with your own transformation. Thank you for tuning in to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, how to get it just right. Please join Dr. Cass Henry again next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another edition of the program. We'll see you then.